All right, good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Paul here on a Monday morning, October 4th, 2021. So glad you're joining us. If you're new to this, we take 10 or 15 minutes every weekday morning to unpack a portion of God's Word. And right now we're doing something called Romans Rewind. We're taking themes and concepts and ideas from our Sunday morning sermons through the uh, preaching series through the Book of Romans. And we're, we're taking some of those and then unpacking them in more detail and specificity um, because we have a little more space and time to do it now. And so that's where we are. And we're up to Romans chapter 2. And as we've seen in Romans 1 and 2, Paul has been on this relentless, the Apostle Paul, this relentless um, effort drive to show um, both the Gentile Christians in the church in Rome and the Jewish Christians in the church at Rome that both equally need the grace of God, both equally need Jesus Christ. And he started with the Gentiles and he talks about how they suppress the truth and unrighteousness and they're without excuse. Then he turns to the Jews. And here in chapter two, we have really seen him, him, him press in that despite all the advantages that um, the Jewish people had in terms of the covenants, the promises, uh, the Davidic line, the sign and seal of the covenant, the law, despite all of that, um, they also um, have gone astray and they also equally need Christ. And so in our passage yesterday, which was Romans 2, 17 through the end of the chapter, we look specifically at this issue of circumcision. And we want to ask, why, why was this such a big deal to the Jews? Why, why did it cause so much um, division in the early church? Uh, what was its function and value? How did it change from the old to the new covenant? And how does that relate to us today? Now, that's not all going to happen, I think, in 10 or 15 minutes. We're going to spend maybe the, the whole week kind of unpacking various themes of this. But let's start with this idea um, Romans 2.25, where Paul talks about, For circumcision is indeed of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So we have to ask, first of all, what role did circumcision play in the life of the Old Testament people? Where did it come from? Why was it such a big deal? Well, if you remember from our series back in Genesis, circumcision was given from God to Abraham and his descendants, a, a sign, okay, or a seal of the covenant that God was making with them. That as Abraham was plucked out of his pagan nation in Ur and sent to the promised land to be a sojourner in exile, God said, here is going to be the sign that I am with you. Here's going to be the, the sign that I'm going to bless you. Here's going to be the sign that says all of the descendants of the world are going to be uh, blessed through you. And here, here's, here's going to be a sign which you can know that I will keep my covenant promises. And he said, every male of yours, ethnic Jews, will be circumcised on the eighth day. Now, circumcision was not new to the ancient world. Different religious um, groups and people practiced it. But it seems that God chose this particular sign for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, um, this was gonna be something where um, the male reproductive organ is the sign of life, and so the, the, the Jewish people would be constantly reminded that their life 
indeed was in their future, okay, their future progeny would be bound up in the promises and faithfulness of God. Um, this was something, that obviously, that God had them do to their bodies, okay, because they would carry around with them their circumcision every day and every moment, and they would be continually reminded of it. And so, so we, this goes all the way back to Genesis 15. And God commanded the people of Israel that any time they conquered a territory or any time a sojourner or stranger wanted to come into the covenant community um, to, to become a part of the Jewish people, they also had to be circumcised. So it wasn't just ethnic Jews that were circumcised. It certainly was anyone joining the ethnic Israel tribe. So it was predominantly um, Jewish people. And this was a sign to them, again, that God was faithful and that God was blessing them and that God was keeping his promises with them. Now, as we saw from Deuteronomy 10 yesterday, circumcision in God's salvation in the Old Testament was never meant to be a means of salvation. This is why Paul says, listen, you who are circumcised in the flesh, you're still uncircumcised in the heart, meaning you had this outward manifestation of God's covenant promises, but inwardly you were still corrupt. And we looked back in Deuteronomy 10, remember, where God tells the people, don't just be uh, circumcised in the flesh, you need to be circumcised in the heart, you need to be changed and altered in the heart, the flesh of your heart, just like you are in the flesh of your circumcision. Well, this was, over time, began to be a, a prominent um, display and sign among the Jews, so much so that it became a sign of pride, it became a sign of privilege, it became a sign of God's favor for them, and it was something that over the, their history, over the next 1500 years, they grew to gradually presume upon. Um, it was what separated them from the Gentiles, it's what made them um, set apart in God's eyes, and they began to put their faith in the sign, okay, rather than in the reality that the sign points to. So, so this is the case all the way up through the the Old Testament, the intertestamental period, until we get to the ministry of John the Baptist and Jesus, okay. And here's something interesting that we see that from, from Matthew early on, when John the Baptist is calling people in to place their faith and repentant, uh, faith in God and to repent of their sins, he doesn't tell them and to be circumcised, okay? They were already circumcised. But he does tell them to, be, to what? To be baptized, um, that, that they are to come and that this water, uh, which was a part of Jewish baptismal ritual cleansing, was to be applied to their whole bodies, okay? And this is why they were coming to the River Jordan to be baptized um, by John. And so we have to ask, what happened then to circumcision um, in the Old Covenant, in the transition to the New Covenant, to the life and ministry and the reign of Jesus? What, what replaced circumcision or was circumcision replaced or should we really be circumcising? And th th again, this was a battle in the early church and we and we see it laid out for us um, throughout Paul's letters um, and in the book of, of Acts. But let me, let, me, let me point to a couple of passages that I think that'll help us to understand why circumcision went away, okay, and why baptism took its place. So if you turn back to Acts 2 for a second, and Peter is preaching, 
and he is he is proclaiming the good news of Jesus at Pentecost, and he finishes his um, his exhortation, his sermon in Acts two forty by saying this, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, "Save yourselves from this crooked generation." So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And so now we begin to see this shift. And the shift is from the outward sign of circumcision applied to ethnic males, Jews, to baptism, which was now the new sign of the covenant. It was baptism, which was to denote their entrance into the new covenant people. And, and it was as this baptism was being proclaimed that it became front and central to the life of the church. Baptism was then an, an initiation, okay, or a mark or a sign or a symbol that the people belonged to God. And of course, the water not literally taking away their sins, but it was something where there would be a public testimony. Um, there would be this public entrance into the church of God. And instead of circumcision, people would point back to their baptism as a sign and a seal that they were now part of the new covenant community. Now, Paul talks a little bit about this theological transition in Colossians chapter 2. So why don't you flip over there for a second. So Paul says in Colossians 2.8, let me read the passage. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So let me stop there. He's saying Jesus Christ is now this fulfillment and the center of God's promises. Center your life on him. Now look at verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So let me stop there. So Paul says you underwent a circumcision not of the flesh, but of the heart, when you placed your faith in Christ. God began to, to trim away all the excess flesh sinfulness from your heart so that you were circumcised or laid open or cut open before him. All right, so that, that's follow us so far. Now, then he said, let me go back to verse 11. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Listen to verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God, who raised him from the dead. So Paul does this transitional thing here, right? He says circumcision was the sign in the Old Covenant. He says, now you've also been circumcised as New Testament believers, not in the flesh, but in the heart. And the way that this happened symbolically is that you were buried in him with baptism, in baptism, and you were raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. So Paul seems to say, you had this old sign and seal in the, under the new covenant circumcision. Now in the New Testament, the sign and seal is baptism. And as we know from other texts in scripture, baptism not that saves you, but it's a sign, it's a symbol of the cleansing and purification of our sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. So, so, so circumcision begins to recede, baptism begins to take over in the life of the early church. Now, 
one of the things that um, we, we have to consider here in, in thinking about this dynamic of the transition is then why was there so much controversy in the early church? Why, and, and there was. There was controversy between Christian Jews who were still holding on to circumcision and between Gentile Christians who were holding on to baptism. And we, we want to understand why, why there was this struggle, how, how the church moved through it, and, and what the theological issues were at stake. Because they were very important. They were very sober. Right? Paul writes a letter in Galatians to address this very issue, which we're going to come to in the next day or two. But let me end, and we're going to unpack this for the rest of the week. We're going to talk about why circumcision passed away, baptism replaced it. What does baptism mean in more detail? Um, how are we to think about who is to be baptized and how, um, according to the New Testament? Who is a part of the New Covenant people of God? Um, and, and, and more. So we're going to really spend some time on this this week. But let me end with this one practical thing. In the West, we've oftentimes, American evangelical Christianity, we've oftentimes looked to our baptism as a, as a, as a point of personal meaning, right? And that it's, it's a time where we re rededicated ourselves to God or we came to faith. And, and it does have much personal meaning. But let's remember primarily what baptism is. It was to be a sign, a marker of an initiation rite from the old life into the new. It was to be something that was done publicly. It was to be done something to be done in the presence of God's people because that person was not just making a covenant before God in themselves, they were making a covenant before God and his people. And this is why um, I'm not typically in favor of private baptisms or um, baptisms that are, that, that are not public and part of the community of faith because they're intended for people to be able to say, you know, I remember that time I was baptized. I made a public profession. I called others to be my witnesses. I asked them to hold me accountable, to walk with me, to pray over me. So I just would encourage you today to think back to your baptism and think back to it in terms of this idea that you now carry around the sign and seal of the new covenant, baptism. Um, it's by it, it doesn't save you, but it is oh so important in terms of what it symbolizes, that you now belong to Christ, that he has died for you and shed his blood for you. So think about that today, baptism as the new sign of the new covenant. Tomorrow, we're going to get into a little more of the history, right, of the early church and why this was so contentious, uh, what the church did about it, how it was resolved, and the accompanying theological issues that we're going to see through the New Testament. That's it. So let me pray. Lord, remind us today that you are, we are sealed and um, given a sign by the Holy Spirit. It's not the baptismal waters that save us, Lord. We know it's the regenerating life of your spirit, applying the work of Christ on our behalf. And Lord, we do have questions about um, these theological issues of circumcision and baptism. And let us remember always, always to follow these things back to their source, back to you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.